Menace Nation. It's Menace Morning Time. Wake them up. Wake them up. Wake them up. Wake them up. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. Tryna hide from the camera. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. I ain't going outside today. No big. Couldn't find our tick. So I'm drinking on egg today. I feel like Pac. I'ma put up a star. We gon' do a drive by in the rain. Shoot the shot. I'm coming in. It's Tuesday, April 19th. If you didn't do your taxes, you are fucked. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to start to show off and let you only know. If you, only if you make some money. You can get away with not doing your taxes if you don't make any money. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Or just get paid cash. No one will know. <laughs> Heard. <laughs> um, but welcome to Menace to Sports at lunchtime uh, yes. i think just kind of going through the analytics we did it thursday friday as a test and wanted to do the spring game recap at noon also or in 12 30 and so we are live at 12 30 every day moving forward the the numbers and, and the viewership is up and so we want to continue that trend and continue to help make this grow because we got big goals here and we so do. this is your place your one-stop shop to get actual insight and analytics that is not driven by ESPN narratives and you know we don't make money if Ohio State's good if Ohio State's bad we probably make more money than <laughs> than if they're good um and and so the SEC I don't I, we don't care who's good we're just going to tell you uh what happened and, and obviously 15 years as a college football coach um gives me a little bit of perspective that I can share with you so excited to talk today uh, a little blast from the past it is a painful memory for me and any Buckeye fans listening but um with Denzel Ward getting a $100 million contract, the 2015 roster is now looking, as soon as we get a couple more re-ups, it's looking like a billion-dollar roster. Billion with a B. And so I, I want to talk about how, how could you fuck up a billion-dollar roster? How could you fuck that up? <laughs> like, I really believe monkeys could coach that roster, and you could at least make the playoffs, right? Straight up. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Also talk about a little news, Seven Banks. Uh I guess he enjoys getting grinded on by Brian Kelly. He is an LSU <laughs> Tiger. And I uh, want to talk I also am. about my a, a longtime friend of mine, Brady Quinn, is going to spearhead the initiative at Notre Dame with an NIL fund, a lot like Cardale Jones is doing for Ohio State and Brian Schottenstein. So, you know, really big move by Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. I don't know how much they're allowed to talk to each other, Those the two sides of the fence. But it's certainly driven by the coaching staff. But before we get to the show, I want to mention we're in talks uh, with with our advertiser that is currently advertising with us, Sapphire Gentlemen's Club in Las Vegas, to, to fly out there and do a, a, a live show, uh, either pre or post or during the first round of the NFL draft. And so, really, I, it's it might come together. So mm -hmm. if you're getting out there, if you're going to be out there, or if you want to go out there, they just removed the mask mandate. So fucking get on a plane and get out there. To Vegas, and I'm going to give you the number right now. You go to sapphirelasvegas.com or text or call to 702-869-0003. And I'm going to leave that number up there. You go you, you go on the website or text or call that number. They have a $75 entry package. Includes a buffet and a one-hour open bar, so you can get your money's worth right then and there. Never mind the titties. Never mind the huge <laughs> screen TVs for the first round of the NFL draft. Never mind the fact that after the draft, Terrell Owens, T.O., sunglasses and all, is hosting an after party, so you know there's going to be loaded with superstars. I mean, if you want to watch, what, what better thing to do? 
rip your mask off, jump on a flight to Vegas, go hang out with naked girls and T.O. and celebrities, watch the first round of the NFL draft, and you might get to hang with us. Hopefully that comes together. So the, the number is on the screen and the website. Go check that out. Um, sounds like a movie. That's a movie. Sounds like a degenerate weekend I could be a part of. I'm here for it. Yep. <laughs> so just wanted to throw that out there. Free the nipple. Hashtag free the nipple. I see you, Michael. Um, and all right. Anyways, enough about titties. Let's talk about football, Chris. Yep, got you, Zach. A couple of things I, I want to throw in the in the comment for the question side of it. Um, what is it? Just from Josh Pate, uh, your boldest college football opinion for 2022 that you would actually put money on? Not some, you know, hot take shit that you just want to throw out there, but what would you actually, like, put some dollars on? Um, mine, personally, I, I've... The one I would take, I don't know how bold of a take it is, but I think that um, that USC finishes the year as a top three team in the country and makes the playoff is my is my hot take. Ooh, um, I, I can't jump on that yet. I, I, if I was betting on anything, I would take. I don't I don't know what the win total is. I should have looked it up, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm I'm taking the under win total on Michigan. They're going to have an inflated number because of last year, and it's not that I think they're going to be bad. I just don't think they're going to win. It'll probably be like ten and ten and a half games. I don't think I think they go ten and two at best, maybe nine and three. Um, so I'm taking the under on Michigan uh, team uh, win total. I'm mm -hmm. taking Texas to win the Big 12. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else I. I and then uh, my, my other take I, is that I, Oklahoma wins more games than Clemson is my other one. Yeah, I, I, I definitely could see that. Um, Clemson, I'd probably take the under win total also. Um, my, yeah, Miami win the ACC. I could see that yeah, happening. That's a good I'm, one. That's a really good one. Um, so I, it's too early to tell. I got to see where some transfers land. Um, but. You know, I think Alabama wins the SEC and is in the playoffs again. I think Ohio State to win the national championship is something I definitely am I'm, I'm going to put $500 on um, just because I think this is the year. And we've talked about it several times. Um, it's got to be this year. If it's if it's not this year, I'm telling you, it's going to be 2024 at the earliest. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's got to happen. Ryan Day needs it to happen with the change of defense, the, the kind of added in, invigoration in the program from losing the, to the, rival, the rivalry game and, and not making the playoffs and Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, th I think that's a, a great one. I'm throwing, I'm throwing heavy on Ohio State to win the national championship. So that's a couple hot takes, I guess. Yep. No. Just so in, in the comments, get a jump in whatever you think uh, a hot take you would actually put money on. Uh, and then I do want to another another question I want to get at some point too, in your opinion as well, Zach. Um, I think I know your answer, but who would you want to develop your son as a quarterback if it was up to you, uh, Steve Sarkeesian? Um, Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley, and obviously I would I would like to get people's opinions on that in the chat too. Um, for me, it's easy; it's Ryan Day, but I, I do I am open to hearing all well, the other I mean, opinions as well. I mean, I, I can't exactly be unbiased here. Ryan Day's a friend of mine. I mean, I would yeah. certainly want my kid <laughs> to play for a friend of mine. I don't know Steve Sarkeesian. I met him once. Mm. I don't know Lincoln Riley, but if I had to rank the coaches, I would put Ryan one A. Sark one B and then Lincoln Riley at three as a quarterback um, coach is what we're saying quarterback yeah, quarterback coach. coach and I think Lincoln's a phenomenal football coach but and he's his track record speaks for itself but Steve, Steve Sarkeesian you look at his career my God I mean even from the quarterbacks he developed at Washington and then Alabama and then USC I mean his his, his resume is ridiculous and mm -hmm. what he what he did at Alabama when you know, you watch the game plan that he put together for the Ohio State National Championship game was unbelievable. So um, I think Sark is a big time QB coach. And we'll find out if Quinn Ewers becomes what he's supposed to become. I mean, Sark is it's, it's, it's a real argument. Who's better, yeah. Ryan or Steve Sarkeesian, Ryan Day or Steve Sarkeesian? Right now, I got to I got to give the edge to Ryan. But as I said, that's a biased opinion because he's a friend of mine. I don't know Sark. So mm -hmm. um, if apples to apples, if I didn't know Ryan, 
I, uh, Sark has an argument, man. It, ma- it makes you really pause and think if, when you look at what he's been able to do. Like his resume right now is is probably better than Ryan Day's in terms of like longevity of, of, of developing quarterbacks. But part of that is because Ryan Day hasn't always had the stage to develop quarterbacks that Sark has had. I mean, Sark's been hanging around college football just longer. It's simple. Well, without a doubt. And Ryan Ryan was in the NFL for two years, and and before that he was. He was kind of, you know, at Boston College and Temple. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't at a big time place with big time quarterback talent. And now what he's done in his short time in major college football has been extraordinary. I mean, from the, you know, JT was tough because it was like teaching an old dog new tricks. But after mm-hmm. JT, you look at just the Dwayne Haskins uh, to Justin Fields to now CJ Stroud. I mean, it's he's he's got a little streak going right now. And we'll see what Sark can do at Texas. But um yeah, that's how I'd rank it. I'd probably go Ryan one, Sark two, and Lincoln Riley three. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just I, and I want to get other people's opinions on it too because I do think there is an interesting case for Sark. I'm obviously not as a head coach, but more of a, of a quarterback developer. Um, Zach, I, I want to start with talking about Denzel Ward. I'm um, obviously he's he's a kid that's kind of from my area. He went to Nordonia. He was a low ranked kid, a three star kid, I believe. Um, I don't yep. think he was in the top 200, uh, and and I believe he was the 76th ranked corner in the class, and. Um, Ended up becoming a really, really good ball player. And, you know, he's, he's had his issues kind of in terms of staying healthy. But he's a $100 million man now. And that made – like Marshawn getting $98 million, he got paid. And now Denzel Ward getting $100 million. Um, Kind of talk about those two because those two that at least coming out of high school, they weren't they weren't the five stars, but those are guys that are both yeah, very, Denzel, very good. Yeah, Denzel was players. under the radar. He was a he was a fast, fast kid, though. I mean, his, his mm. acceleration and speed is ridiculous. And – you know, he just wasn't a, a tour guy. He didn't he didn't go to all these, you know, Camps. rivals events and Nike events. And I mean he went to he went to some, but he was just kind of an under the radar guy. And and he was a development, right? He was he, he was a, a, a skinny kid coming out of high school that trained his ass off. And it's what you can't measure in rankings a lot of times is how hard what, what's the kid's character and mm-hmm. how much of a grinder is he going to become? And Denzel was a product of BIA, right? What they called themselves, because there was a a mentality that was developed right from all the way from Bradley Roby, then, then uh, just on, on through, through Marshawn, like you mentioned, Gary on Conley, um, Duran Grant. I mean, there were some legit, legit corners and that grind um, was really what developed Denzel. And uh, so I, I, I love Denzel. I do. I, I do think it's worth mentioning though. Did the Browns like invest in Bitcoin? Like where the <laughs> fuck are they getting all this money? Do you remember a couple of years ago, man, when the Rams actually recently, when the Rams, it felt like they had a different salary cap than the rest like, of the league. Right. I'm sitting here like 200 million for the quarterback, hundred million mm-hmm. for him. Miles Garrett. I mean, where is there not a limit to this? Is this baseball? Like are, are they the Dodgers? It's yeah. just amazing. But you know what? It shows how valuable he is. And, you know, I think they overpaid a little bit. I think mainly because of injury concerns. I mean, he, the kid, the kid just ha- isn't healthy throughout a year ever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. his talent is ridiculous. His his ability to cover is ridiculous. I mean, they pay him a hundred million dollars. Now he's got to go out and shut down Jamar Chase. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. reality of why they paid it. Right? They have to face Jamar Chase twice a year, and somebody's got to cover him. And if mm-hmm. Denzel's not in Cleveland, I don't know who that is. And I like the secondary the Browns have, but Denzel's definitely their stud corner. Yeah. And so it's it's well-deserved. And it's really cool to see these kids just – I mean, you think about Denzel Ward comes in, and I know this kid as an 18-year-old, you know, was an, was, an, was an okay player. He had some talent. To think about now, he has generational wealth 
it's just awesome. And if you know the whole story about Denzel, his dad passed away. I mean, his dad was like really young, really in shape, worked out every day and had a heart attack and died. And the kid just, I mean, he, he went through a lot and to just to see that come across Twitter. I, I mean, I, I got, I got choked up. I was like, wow. I mean, if there's a kid that deserves a hundred million dollars in this world, it's that kid. Cause he's a one, a character, a one, a personality. He, uh, he's a lot like Dwayne Haskins in the effect that when he smiles, like it lights up the room, like just phenomenal kid. You know, some, sometimes you see kids get, get a big contract and you're like, not that you're not happy for the kid, but yeah. you're like, hey, he's kind of a shithead. You know what I mean? Or he, like, he, feel like he was Eli Apple. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's, <laughs> and he's kind of an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you see someone like Denzel get it and, and Terry's next. Terry's the next one that's going to get that $100 million contract, well-deserved, and a, just like Denzel. No one deserves that contract more than Terry McLaurin. Nobody. Because a lot like Denzel, he was self-made. He, he had talent, but he, was a gr he is where he is today because he's a grinder. Same with Denzel. So it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, and I just want to throw that a second shot, man. Donating to my, uh, to my haircut fund. I appreciate you, man. What, what a hero. <laughs> Oh man, they're frying me in the in the side too. Yeah, your shirt matches your background. What do we got? What do we got going on here? Uh, it's a little bit of Grateful Dead action, and then I got the my siblings painted this for my mom. That's sweet. So they, they got up there and uh, and got to it. <laughs> um, I do want to keep talking about kind of corners a little bit, Zach. Are corners in the NFL now more valuable? Than linebackers because it feels like as this league oh, yeah. moves to a more pass happy league, I always thought that you had to be really, really good up the middle. That meaning running back, quarterback, center, and then linebacker safety. But now, kind of the way the league is moving, you have to be good quarterback, receiver, and then corners, and then defensive end. So almost good on the sides. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the impact players, right? If you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey, or you mm -hmm. have one of those top five corners. If you have Marshawn Lattimore, they can literally you can put him on one of the top ten receivers in the league, and it's going to be a battle. And, and that receiver is not going to go off. I mean, he might sc score a touchdown, but he's not going to just torch your whole team. I mean, that's that and an edge rusher on defense are the two most important things you could ever have: a lockdown corner and an edge rusher. It's it's by far the hardest thing to do in football is play man to man coverage on a great player by yeah. far. Um, so yeah, I mean that's absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's where the value is, right? Running backs, not so much. Linebackers, not so much. I mean, it's good to have them, but this is not a running league anymore unless you play the Browns. <laughs> and it's it's really a pass-happy league. And you have guys like Pat Mahomes and and you know Joe Burrow and all these quarterbacks that can just dot, dot, dot receivers up. You need a corner that can be right there attached hip to hip. So, yeah, corner is definitely you know one of the top three positions you need in the NFL. They were discussing. I was I was in a chat with some football people, and they were discussing kind of the top corners um, in, in football. And they had Denzel Ward when healthy as a top three man corner. And, and I was curious, kind of where you were at with that. Now, a lot of them said that they they think Jalen Ramsey is a better like corner, and they like Jalen Ramsey as a whole better. But in terms of man coverage, they said what was being talked about was Denzel Ward more than any other corner will run the route for the receiver, and that's yeah, so hard to do. I mean, his change of direction, acceleration, and speed are, are second to none. I mean, he mm -hmm. is truly just a world-class athlete. And so, he, I mean, man-to-man, -man, absolutely. And he still has the most swag play I've ever seen a corner make where, where they threw a little bubble screen or flat route or whatever, and he slid on one knee underneath the block, came up and made the tackle for minus one, and it was like, what the fuck? How do you – like, I coach receivers mm -hmm. forever, 15 years. I don't know how to block that. Like, I don't, I you honestly, can't. when he, it, like, if I was watching film with my guy and he did it, I'd be like, I don't know what to tell you. That's 
unbelievable. He went mm-hmm. full speed, slid on a knee underneath the block, popped up, made the tackle for minus one. And he's so a he, former baseball player. He was a see. He graduated. He was in school around the same time I was, and he played baseball at Nordonia. Yeah, he baseball yeah, player. Athlete. And that's that's what that was. That was a baseball slide. So I'm super happy for Denzel. And obviously, Scary Terry's up next. I mean that. There's there's a lot of lot of lot of rich Buckeyes, and whenever I see these NIL deals, I think it's crazy. Like three million to go here, four million to go here, and then every time I turn around, it's a new Ohio State player inking a hundred million, ninety million. It's just you know. amazing, and it's amazing the the the, co- the coaching cult, right? Mm-hmm. The, and how the coaching industry works that people don't really realize is it is such a you know sexiness business, right? You hire guys that sound it sounds like a sexy hire. And, right. and certainly guys can rise and fall based on their ability. But just the fact that Ed Warner was, was you know, the thorn in the side of a billion-dollar roster and still granted at FAU. So he's fallen from graces, right? Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan. Now he's down at FAU, probably where he belongs. But how, how bad do you have to be to have a billion-dollar roster and be the reason that you lost? It's yeah. just, whew. It's it's all it's like it's like Skype having a four year head start and then getting folded by Zoom right when it matters most. I mean, that right. that's how bad that Ed Warner made things like they had such a head start. There was no reason for them not to win a title the same way. There was no reason for Skype not to be the service of the pandemic when things started getting shut down. And yet somehow, some way, two blinks happened. And Ohio and State about, was not back to back champions. You talk about waking up on third base to steal Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh's terminology. Ed Warner walked into an offense that had JT Barrett and Cardale Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Jalen Marshall. I mean, just studs dude everywhere or everywhere the offensive line was outstanding there's no reason if ryan day was the offensive coordinator of that team it might you might be talking about 2019 lsu or 2015 ohio state that's how ridiculously loaded that side of the ball was but instead we watched jt barrett run q zone up the middle fucking 900 times because the the guy the guy didn't have the balls to stand up to urban and tell him what he wanted to do because he didn't know what he wanted to do he didn't know offensive football he knew he he couldn't call a play couldn't do anything and and the only thing he could do was you know develop a scheme in the run game but that scheme was really like i don't know have a generational back in ezekiel (laughs) elliott that'll make it all right and it's just i mean i was watching it live and in person and to and that was one of urban's biggest downfalls is he looked at like, oh man, our rushing offense is number one in the country. It's like, yeah, okay, but what mm-hmm. the fuck? We have the best back in the United States of America, and he's like, watch the tape. He's making the play look good when it's not a good play call, right? Or it's not well schemed up or well thought out. Ezekiel Elliott breaks a tackle on a guy that should hit him from minus one, and he goes 20. And it's like, yeah, man, great call, Ed. It's like, no, that's a shitty fucking call. He just made you look good, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what it was. And and that was Urban's biggest fault is is he, you know, he didn't see that. And, and it, it's one of those most mind-blowing things I've ever been a part of because I was there and and in 2014 when Tom Herman was leaving everyone knew like there's no way he's going to let Ed run this thing right he can't he's not capable and he did it anyways just because he it was the path of least resistance right like water he just didn't want to piss Ed off wanted to keep things going the way they were going and so he gave him the promotion and here we are he only won one national championship because of it and should have went back to back should have should have went back to back. Uh, it's frustrating, and I'm surprised nobody put their hands on on Ed Warner. Like if I were you, I probably would have put my hands on Buddy. No, nah, 
Hey, it is what it is. I mean, I, I have fun with it. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I whatever. I was I, all I cared about is I'm doing my job and my guys are playing a, a, outstanding. That's I'm all saying, I cared about. If I was a player, I would have put hands on Ed for sure. Oh well, Noah Brown almost did. <laughs> <laughs> But he got he got checked really quickly. Um, I do want to kind of change pace with some recruiting stuff, man. Like me and you have kind of been talking a little bit, and, and what Mel Tucker's going to do at Michigan State the next couple of years. Remember us talking about kind of the next team to arrive in, in, in the Big Ten. I think will be Michigan State because Mel Tucker in this era of look, college football is becoming the Wild West. I mean, we got companies getting involved, NIL obviously getting involved, and people attacking the transfer portal. And now for a team to, you know, turn a corner and enter that that stratosphere, it's almost never been closer because you're able to bring in transfers, show them out, and then also use that to parlay with the, with the NIL stuff to roll into quick success. And Mel Tucker has he's he's really unique because he's he's real gangster. He resonates with the kids. He will recruit his fucking ass off, and he is his kind of alpha. It, he is the king of quote unquote East Lansing, and that's and and recruits can feel that. And he's real, like he's real, like the opposite of Brian Kelly, like he is as real as it gets. And now we got the number one running back in the country talking about yeah, yeah Mel Tucker's amazing. I would love to go out there. I feel like he can make me the prince of East Lansing. Michigan fans are so worried about our spring game. They need to look in their backyard because they're at risk, not at risk. They are getting passed because, you know, they, they had a nice car last year, Zach. But Michigan State looks like they're building something for real and not going to be a flash in the pan thing. So I just I want to get your take on Mel Tucker and them potentially being what I thought Penn State could have been under Franklin, but they kind of fell short and what I thought Michigan could have been under Jim Harbaugh. But now it looks like Mel Tucker's going to get it right. Well, you just look at the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. James Franklin is a smoke and mirrors. He's, he's a, he's a, he's like a charade, right? He's like a guy that goes, he does a puppet show, right? It's, it's all entertainment. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, a real ass dude. That's like you said, kind of a gangster, Jim Harbaugh, a complete fucking disaster. I mean, just everything he does, taking them to South Africa, sleeping over at kids' houses, taking his shirt off in khakis and playing seven on seven. Colin Kaepernick at the spring game. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick's a a fucking captain. Like everything he does is just like, he's just fucking weird. That's what he is. Jim Harbaugh is weird. Like Mm -hmm. interacting with him, I I interacted with him twice at uh, Sound Mind, it's the Sound Mind, Sound Body Camp up in Detroit, or not Detroit, it was in Michigan. And just, you walk away like, what the hell? It's just a weirdo. He's just weird. Like he's like, like eats potato chips with butter. <laughs> weird. You know what I mean? Like, like chews on toenails. Weird. Like mm-hmm. you're just one of those weirdos. And so <clears throat> Mel, enter Mel Tucker, just a real ass dude, like smoking cigars. Like he is, he is like Al Pacino and Scarface. Like he's yeah. here to take over and he doesn't give a fuck what you think. And he's got the, the number one running back in the country comes on campus and the guy leaves like, damn. I could do this. I watched Kenneth Walker do what he did, right? He's going to be a first round draft pick or, or, you know, second round running backs don't have that value value as much anymore. But I mean, you're just watching it and you're like, wow, I could be that guy. And you look at East Lansing, you're like, I would be the absolute king here. You talk about NIL. Now that that's legal, the number one running back in the country goes to Michigan state. All the NIL deals are going to him. Yeah, (laughs) straight up, straight up. Like East Lansing, it's, it's immediate and it's crazy because we think he needs to recruit wet, better, and we also acknowledge the fact that he's going to be able to recruit better because before, Michigan State was a place that 
really wouldn't even get an official visit from the number one running back in the country. No, never. I mean, Michigan State, when Mark D'Antonio had it, had it rolling, it was all senior laden. Well, not only senior laden, but it was excellent recruiting and identification and development, mm -hmm. right? They weren't getting five stars. They were getting Denzel Wards of the world, right? Those three-star kid from the sticks of Georgia goes up to Michigan State, and two years later, after getting his ass coached off, developed in the weight room, the kid's a first-round corner, and you're like, what the fuck? Where'd this kid mm -hmm. come from? Right, the Le'Veon Bells, the Ohio kid that maybe wasn't quite Ohio State's number one choice. Michigan State would grab him, develop him into a great player. Like that's what they were. And you know, obviously he lost that towards the end of his tenure. But Mel Tucker now, if he can find that niche to do that and hit the portal, and now he can entertain some of the top flight talent in the country, he's got a chance to make some noise. Some some serious noise. I mean, people forget they're going into the final two weeks and what year one or two, they were a top 17, Zach. Like they were top seven. Like, like this is something that's going to get going. And they're going because I always say like this: some coaches you just want to sit down with and you will listen to them and hear them, and you feel like, oh shit. Other coaches, you feel weird and almost like they're violating you by being uncomfortable. And it's like, I can't wait to get out of here. Mel Tucker yeah. has the perfect mix of being square jawed, being gangster, having tons of swag. And obviously, his message is resonating with the kid. That plus the NIL stuff, Michigan State is a dangerous team. And I think if there's another team in the Big Ten that is capable of winning a national title in the next six years, it's not Penn State, it's not Michigan, it's Michigan State. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a ways away. Um, yeah, no, he, it's, so, he, it's so hard to do. But if I had to bet on one that wasn't Ohio State, I would say that, that they're going to pass Penn State and Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 whether it be this year or next year, I mean, I think what he's doing, the moral story is this, what he's doing is, is the proper formula. He's making the right moves. He's making those boss moves. And he's showing you that he can at least have some flashes in the pan, right? He can have some bangs, some some recruits that you're like, whoa, the number one running back in the country visited there? Whoa, he loved it? They're in the mix? Like, just being in the mix for the number one running back in the country has a resounding impact in the recruiting landscape, right? Even if they don't get the kid, other players seeing Michigan State's in that kid's top five make them scratch their head and say, wait a minute, Michigan State? Why? <laughs> and then they find out. And mm -hmm. now doors are opened in recruiting where M Mel Tucker's in living rooms that he would not have been in, even if they don't get that kid. And that, I've talked about it several times about how you infiltrate an area in recruiting. You got to get that, right? You got to get kids to to show interest in you so other kids in the area are like, oh, he's interested in, in Ohio State or he's interested in Michigan State. He's a, he's a great player. I'm going to look at Michigan State. And then you get a kid. Then you get two kids. And all of a sudden, it becomes sexy to be a Spartan. That's the momentum he needs to create, and it looks like he's doing it. Yeah, one of one of the big things. Here's here's that here's what's next up for him. We've talked about it a couple times. When programs land big, big time quarterback recruits, it changes everything. Because at one point, Clemson was where Michigan State was. They were up and down, up and down. They landed that big time quarterback. Everything changed. Taj Boyd changed everything for them. Tennessee's trying to do the same thing with the Nico kid. Nico could change everything for them. When Mel Tucker gets a quarterback, a big, big-time quarterback, a top two or three quarterback, it's going to change everything for them very quickly. And I think he's the guy that has a swagger to do it. Yeah, I, I think that if you were if you were going to predict who could be the next Clemson, Michigan State is a prime candidate for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I do want to stay on quarterback. Something interesting. Lloyd Carr, you know, former Michigan coach. <laughs> his grandson is starting to get the crystal balls and the, and the future cast, and he's a five-star quarterback, and they are popping in for not Michigan, but Notre Dame. <laughs> I, I don't know. How big of for Michigan if this happens? I mean, I don't know how you fuck this one up. I really don't. I mean, that kid, his whole life, has loved Michigan more than anyone has loved Michigan. How do you fuck that up? I mean, kudos to Marcus Freeman and the job they're doing down there uh, in South Bend and recruiting this kid. But I, I it's, I mean, it's got to be that Lloyd Carr was a real ass dude. Like he was a grown ass man coach, and this kid's been around that his whole life. And he walks into Harbaugh's office and he's like, "This dude's a goofball." Like I want to play <laughs> for someone like my my grandpa. Like that's yeah. what it is. That's what I would have done. I mean, I was raised around a square jaw grown ass man. That was the head coach at Ohio State. And I wasn't a five-star quarterback. I wasn't a big-time recruit. But if I was and I walked in and a guy was a goofball, I'd be like, what the hell? No, no, no. I want to play for someone like my grandfather. I'm not playing mm -hmm. for this clown. And then you go into another place and it's a square jaw, tough ass dude that's a great football coach. You're like, nah, this feels like home, right? Because ultimately, Michigan or not, fan or not, this kid wants a place that he feels comfortable and he feels like he's going to thrive and develop. Clearly, that is not Michigan. Right. And that's not me saying it. That's the kid. The mm -hmm. kid is trending towards Notre Dame as a legacy of, of a head football coach from Michigan. I mean, this kid has been a Michigan man his whole life, and, and, and he's and trending it, to Notre Dame. And it's not a Tom Lawyer or a Notre Dame insider saying this. You know you know who put the crystal ball in for a bubble it was, five? It was a Michigan guy. It was No, it was Fong. It, it was a Fong. Oh, Will Fong. Yeah. So that's that's really indicative of where this thing is going. And, and this, to be honest, is such a big deal, Zach, because not only is he the grandson, it's not like he can't play. He's a top 25 kid nationally. He's a five-star. So now that signals to other schools like, hey, like other schools that maybe would try to recruit him and probably figured, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not sure I would have wasted my time trying to recruit him because this is Lloyd Carr's grandson. Like he's, he's going to Michigan. And right. when that crystal ball comes in, I guarantee you more teams that weren't sure if they were in play are going to try to get in play. And it, it, this is the real definition of being born on third and not be it, like, getting picked off. <laughs> literally, you were born on third and got picked off by a lefty. Like fucking pinch runner, go to third. You mm -hmm. get on the base, take three steps off, and the pitcher picks you off. Like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> like, and it's crazy, Zach, because – it's by a first-time head coach. Like, it'd be a little bit different if he gets picked up by Sark, we, we, we talked about, crazy resume, or gets picked off by, by Lincoln Riley, okay, to USC. No, no, no. Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame and, and, and a staff that we're not sure about and, and a program that we're not sure the direction of before the Brady Quinn NIL deal stuff gets announced is about to, is about to get this one. It's bad. crazy. Crazy. I mean, and, and it's just – you know, I don't want to say here's here's the issue. And I talked to a, one of my son's uh, good friends. His dad wrestled at Michigan. So they're huge Michigan fans. And every baseball practice we sit and talk. Um, and he's he is. A, I mean, you can't be I mean, like I said, scholarship wrestler at Michigan. Die hard. I mean, they, they takes his kids to like Michigan softball games and shit like just loves Michigan. Right. Hates hardball. And he's <laughs> furious that they had a good year last year. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's like, think about it. He's going to ride that year and be here for four more years. <laughs> yeah. We have to deal with him for longer now because of that good year. I'd have rather him went 0-12 and fired his ass so we can get a coach in here who could actually return us to prominence. And I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, they say a lot about Michigan fans, but you're smart <laughs> because it's true. <laughs> Michigan beating Ohio State he and making the playoffs last time. year. 
right. might be the worst thing that's happened to Michigan in the last decade because now they're stuck with this goofball for even longer. He's going to ride that for four years, and they're, they're not going to fire him because they're like, this is our you know, this is our Michigan man. This is our, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ to Michigan football. And he just beat Ohio State and made the playoffs. Something we haven't sniffed. He won the Big Ten, right? He's going to ride it for four years minimally. He's going to ride it till he gets passed by Michigan State. Penn State will continue to pass them, and Ohio State will widen the gap. And it's crazy the comments are talking about, like, like Harbaugh as a quarterback developer. Like, imagine your brand, Zach, honestly, his brand when he came back to Michigan was as a quarterback developer. And now, I mean, we've seen five-star goes, five goes there. Shea Patterson obviously didn't progress. And we've seen the quarterback play recently. Like, you're a quarterback developer, and you can't land Lloyd Carr's grandson? Holy that yeah, is, I mean, he, he, you know, it's it's like anything else, right? He developed Andrew Luck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, sounds good. And then yeah. what? He went to the NFL and developed Colin Kaepernick? I think he gets credit with developing Alex Smith is what they what they kind of but add to his resume. But no, he, he didn't. didn't. Alex Smith was a complete failure yeah. in, in, in San Francisco and didn't really show his abilities until he got to Kansas City. So, like, no, mm-hmm. he didn't. And, and this goes back to to the Willie Taggart conversation, right? You, you can't just, a guy does a decent job, an okay job, and all of a sudden he's a fucking guru. Why? Because he had Andrew Luck? I mean, that's <laughs> one guy that he had that was supremely talented that was in a, like a three tight end I formation offense. And it's like, what? Okay. Yeah. So he's a like, guru. And like you said, you see what he's, what he did with Shea Patterson, what he's done with Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy's up next. And his Lloyd Carr's grandson was like, Nope, I'm out. <laughs> he said, y'all, y'all ain't getting me. <laughs> what, what's a bigger deal? Because is this like the modern day equivalent of when Eli Manning announced he was going to Ole Miss over Tennessee? I mean, no. I mean, that one made sense, right? Because it was all about David Cutcliffe. Yeah, he was going right. to, it's no different than Joey Bosa had such a phenomenal experience getting developed by Larry Johnson that if Larry Johnson went to Penn State, Nick Bosa's probably going to Penn State. Yeah. Because definitely. You're not going to risk it, right? Mm-hmm. You know you have this elite, elite developer. You're going to put your career in his hands, right? Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. Yep. We do have a super chat. Station in Vegas, but leaving before the draft, unfortunately, would have loved Damn. to come out. We appreciate you, though, G. And, and I don't know, is this is this going towards my uh, haircut fund? <laughs> well, I would have loved to buy you a beer. Anyone in the, in, in, that serves this country, I would mm-hmm. love to buy you a, a drink out in Vegas. So uh, that's, a, that's a bummer, man. I wish you could have been there. Yeah, amen to that. Zach, I do want to talk a little bit about um, Ohio State, and then obviously I'll, I'll kind of we'll wind down the show. Um, this this next year, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I was kind of – well, first of all, I was hoping – I I don't have the schedules in front of me. I'm kind of behind the times with that. I, I did less prep. But I would love to see a Notre Dame-Michigan game with Lloyd Carr's grandson. I'm doing that. <laughs> you like, imagine Lloyd Carr's grandson beats Michigan. <laughs> Like not a close game, just like an absolute Molly. Like Molly dices rock him up, throws for five hundred yards, five touchdowns, and, and <laughs> just and, and Lloyd's in the in the crowd wearing a fucking big N D shirt. <laughs> that would get that would get blown up and put everywhere. I don't know. I don't know who you root for. Well, obviously, you root for your kid. Rooting for your kid, uh, yeah. You know, def- defeats all all um, supremacy. But Zach, it is transfer season. Um, it's you know it it is that time, and um, I expect the Ohio State roster to have some transfers obviously in this coming week how soon after the spring game did you sit down and have a wrap-up and tell kids that hey unfortunately it's kind of time and what room do you expect to lose the most 
Um, you know, I, I don't know that a, you can go room by room. I think you, you mm-hmm. just have to look at where kids are at in their in their career, right? If it's their third year and they're buried on the depth chart, it's time to go. And and that's for the kid and the program, right? A guy like Marcus Hooker, it's just he, he can't crack the top two at, at, at any safety position. It's like, well, I mean, unfortunately, if you want to play football, you're going to have to do it elsewhere. And mm-hmm. so that that's where I think that is at. And I mean, obviously they, they're over the scholarship limit right now as is. So they're going to have to lose a couple, but you know, seven banks going to, it is kind of, I thought it was hilarious that, you know, rewind three months ago, the buzz was, Oh, Elias Ricks might come to Ohio state. The LSU to Ohio state might pipeline. Open, <laughs> yeah. That pipeline, right. They're going to give us a great one back after we gave them Joe Burrow. Well, that didn't happen. And now seven banks is going down to LSU. So it seems like a one way street from Columbus to Baton Rouge. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there's mm-hmm. no reciprocation here, but, you know, thought that was interesting, uh, but yeah, I, I think they're going to lose. They're going to lose uh, at least one safety. You're going to lose probably a linebacker. I mean, you know, depending on how the depth chart shakes out, and it really it'll be interesting to see how each position coach manages it. You could mm-hmm. lose. You know, I think Julian Fleming, honestly, getting hurt or being injured and not being able to finish spring is going to provide Brian Hartline with the luxury of possibly keeping him through this year because right now the kid doesn't know where he's at on the depth chart. He didn't finish spring. And so he thinks he's a great player. Brian Hartline can can kind of spin it all to him as, listen, I think you're one of the top three guys in this room, but we got to see it, right? And so that's that's it's going to be interesting to see how the coaches manage it all. Um, I would imagine. And Julian, and Julian had a really productive spring. I know we've been talking about Abuka. Yeah, but he's not one but, of the top three. Right. Julian did have a productive spring, so it'll be easier to uh, to, to sell him on that. And yeah, Jacoby did make the best move for himself. Uh, we appreciate you, Paul, Paul, Paul Moss, for the $10. Uh, wow, my haircut fund is, is getting up there. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I might be able to afford a real barber. <laughs> uh, hey, one of my buddies had got his haircut by this smoking hot chick, and then she started an OnlyFans. So if it gets high enough, maybe we could get you a, a, a nice cut, G. <laughs> A cut and a subscription? Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll see what the company budget looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I I do, and I'm curious to think, I think we probably will lose some a defensive lineman or two um, additionally moving forward. I think, Like I said, you you get a kid that's a Mm junior-ish right around there and is not in the two deep, he's got to go. I mean, he should want to go. Um, and, and, and I like something. that. I like kids transferring out after their sophomore year. I, I wish I wish that that's kind of what it was. Yeah, like, I think this, this, after two years, you get your free transfer. I think I think two and a half years, right? You mm-hmm. go through spring that third year and see if you can make a push into that top two and see if you see a light to the field. And if it's not there, go somewhere you, you could actually play. That's just what it is. Because at that point, I mean, you're over halfway through your college career. It's probably not going to happen. Right. There is every now and then that Cinderella story of a kid in his fourth or fifth year that becomes a great player and gets on the field, the Curtis Grants of the world. But honestly, with the transfer portal, those are few and far between now Mm -hmm. because those kids are gone. Curtis Grant would have been gone in the transfer portal and how unfortunate for him and the Buckeyes if that was the case back then. But that's just the reality of of the landscape of college football now. Yeah, no, I, I firmly agree. It's. You know, it's and, and it's tough, but it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of where we've gotten to this point. Um, I, I do want to say um, I am curious your thoughts on this. It was another good point that I. Oh, yeah. They're, they're talking about the Dylan kid. Guys, Zach told you weeks ago, man, we're, we're getting the Dylan kid. Like it's I don't know if it was weeks ago, but it was a while ago. You yeah. you had it before. I think everyone that's that's a done deal. But, you know, you're pretty you're pretty tapped in with that with that kind of thing. Um, I do. I do want to ask you, Zach, about quarterbacks. 
Um, next year, do you think it could be important for Ryan Day to show these high school quarterbacks he only need one year at Ohio State to go be a pro? Um, is that something that you think goes into the decision if, if if him and Devin Brown is a close competition through the spring? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the reality is, is he's going to have a new quarterback in 2023, right? That's going to happen. And regardless who it is, Devin Brown, I mean, if it's Devin Brown, you're going to get him for two years. And it, mm-hmm. if it's Kyle McCord, if, if he's, if he's good enough, it could be a one and done like Dwayne Haskins. And then right. if it is, then Kyle McCord, or then Devin Brown stays, he becomes the guy. And all of a sudden you see a trend where it's like, listen, you don't have to be the guy right away, right? You just need to develop and keep going. And you just have to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Here's I'm going to have a shot in a year or two years because the, the standard is set at Ohio mm-hmm. State. And it was set the minute Dwayne Haskins took the field. A Heisman caliber first round quarterback. And if you're not that, you're not the quarterback. Simple as that. That's why Jack Miller transferred, right? He was not going to be the guy mm-hmm. when CJ Stroud left. Even if he stayed, he wasn't going to be Mac Jones, right? Kyle McCord might be. And so that's, I think, what where you need to get the position. Like Alabama has it, to be honest with you. I mean, I know Bryce Young came in and played right away, but they had it where Tua's there, Mac Jones is there, and then it's like, okay, well. Yeah, Tua's Mac, Mac was in that room with Tua and, and um, Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts. And so you look at it, and Mac Jones had to have that foresight to say, listen, I could see a path to the field, and he just stayed and grinded it mm-hmm. out, and he was a first-round draft pick. You give that to these kids – these high school kids and it's like, listen, I just want to go where I'm going to be developed. That's what kids want. They want to be coached hard and developed. And if you get them to a place that they are, as long as they see a light to the field, they're going to stay. Mm-hmm. Shout out to block. Oh, I, Oh, it's crazy. Ever since I've been thinking about that ever. I've been thinking about what other schools have when you brought up the other day about, you know, our brand, the Ohio state brand, wherever you go, you can say that and you will get something back. I don't think the other school has it. I don't know if there is. No, I mean, Notre Dame has a pretty strong international presence, but it's not as massive as Ohio State. And I've told the story a hundred times. Going on the road recruiting, I was probably in, I don't know, on average 50 high schools a a week. Mm -hmm. And every single school had someone. You got to meet Miss Johnson. uh, She teaches science. She's a huge Buckeye. You go in her room, Buckeye flags everywhere, and you're in fucking Phoenix, Arizona, or wherever. It's every school, every school. Yeah, um, I do want to say uh, on the Ben Crispin thing, I think Ben Crispin has time. Offensive linemen tend to stick around a little bit longer than uh, than skill position players just because that position especially requires so much maturation at the body and it requires a lot of process information or inf- information processing. Um, ben Crispin's from my area, Zach, and that's the offensive lineman from Revere. He went to the same school. He played on the same basketball team as uh, as Pete Nance. So I got to see him play some basketball. He, When he was a freshman, he played all three games a little bit, and it was absurd, him going up against freshmen because he was already 6'3", 6'4", at this point, and was yeah. a heavy, heavy kid. They let him run the point, Zach. Nobody could get close enough to him to, to even take the ball away. He was just absolutely <laughs> shredding kids. And my little homie um, that I coached had to guard him for two quarters, took two good charges. I was proud of him. Then he came over <laughs> and told me he never wanted to take a charge again. And I was like, you know what? That is absolutely fair. Because Ben Crispin wasn't a kid that like like a lot of offensive linemen that was like tall and lanky and then needed to fill out. That boy came out of the womb, filled out. Like he was yeah. just he was just big and ready to go. Um someone asked if we could describe Dylan's play style. Um, I've watched a lot of them. I don't know how much Zach has gotten into him. Um, but Dylan is a creator. He's a gamer. Um, you know, he's he's a lot like Caleb Williams. Um, in terms of like looking to create back there and then dish it, 
Uh, he's got a really, really big arm. Throws throws off platform a lot. I do need him to improve his his footwork a little bit. Tends to you know get a little bit late sometimes. You know, shot puts a little bit and leaves his feet. Um, but Dylan's is a really good player. He is a pocket passer though more than anything. Or he's a pro style passer. He's not a pocket passer, but he doesn't want to run if that makes sense. He wants right. to kind of scramble back there and then and then kind of throw bombs. He's going to be a good player. And honestly, like if you're Ryan Day at this point, you're such a good quarterback developer. The one thing that that I it's like balls of clay. It's like how many balls of clay can like how big of a ball of clay can you get for Ryan Day to get in the lab and work with? I mean, he is the Tony Stark of of college football. He's yeah. he's rich. He's got assets. He's got tools, um, and, and and the more is he really loaded? Are him, you are you saying talent rich, or is he really loaded? Oh, oh, I'm talking about talent rich. <laughs> oh, well, you never know. Some of these quarterbacks. Yeah, no, no, I got you. And him with Ryan Day is going to be a really good pairing. But again, I don't want to you know pump a kid up too much because obviously we talked so highly about. Yeah, see, viewers, this is my problem, and I see in the chat. Uh, people want recruiting videos for me and that is in the in in the works we are going to do, start doing that but i just i i guess i've been on the other side of this fence where mm-hmm. where pretty much not many other people have been on the inside of the process and i just i have a hard time you know championing these recruits because i know what it's like i know that this kid and i've never watched this kid no fucking idea how good he is no no idea how talented he is but if he's a five star he must be pretty damn good and the reality is there's so much more that goes into it that that none of these recruiting services even fucking know. Like how right. hard a kid works, how what's his character, what's his football IQ, you know, <clears throat> how does he handle adversity? Um, so I, I will do a, an analytic breakdown of this kid's film, but just understand that I can't fanboy out on a recruit like everyone else because I've been on the other side of it. And it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's just... It's, it's tricky. like dealing with monopoly money before mm-hmm. you know b- before you actually get a real paycheck. It's like yeah, yeah, the kid's talented, but we'll see. We'll see what yep. he's like, and that's why. And Zach Harrison's my greatest example. I was getting destroyed mm-hmm. when I was when his freshman year was coming up, and I was trying to get Buckeye Nation to calm the fuck down about him because it was setting an unfair expectation for the kid. And sure enough, he's been an, he's been an okay player, right? A good player, but good he's player. not generational. And right. I, I I try to tell people, but I got I got flame for it. So I, I will, I will break down this kid's film. I'll watch it, study it and, and give you my, my thoughts, but just be prepared that it's probably not going to be just me praising everything he does. <laughs> Shout out Gary from PA for the five. I wonder if you're a Penn state fan. And if you are, how excited are you about drew Aller? let us know in the chat. Um, honestly, you know, my, my haircut fund is looking phenomenal right now. Hypothetical Zach for you. Shout out to the super chat. Heartline, Heartline moves on. Zach, you're offered the wide receiver job. Do you take it? I mean, shit, if they're paying 800 grand a year, <laughs> that's a hard one to turn down. But no, I, I, I've said it before. I don't want to coach. I, I, I enjoy yeah. my life right now way too much. And, and I did it, right? It's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I, I saw a video this morning and it, it, it was, a, I guess, a motivational video. And the question was asked, like, all right, if a lion is born in captivity, right, and lived in a cage his whole life, all of that lion's experiences are within that cage. That's all it knows. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to lock the gate? And the, the answer mm-hmm. is because that lion has instincts that there's something else out there for that lion, right? And until it gets out there, it knows that something's out there. And so that, that's kind of how I, I view coaching, right? Like, 
I enjoyed it. I checked it off the I checked the box. I did it yeah. and I would have loved to have a whole career doing it, but now that I've been let out of the cage, I don't want to go back in that fucking cage. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't care how much fun it is, how much I enjoy, you know, being on the sideline, winning a national championship. None of that matters to me anymore because I've experienced what it's like outside of the cage. And college most college coaches don't realize what they're missing out on. And I talked to one of my best friends who's a college coach at a big time place about it the other day. It's just like you don't even know where you're at until you're outside of it. You're done with it, and you're like, "Damn, this is there's a whole world out here. I don't want to be confined by that anymore." So that's just that's where I'm at with my kids, my family, my priorities. So no, I wouldn't. It is interesting, Zach, because there's there's this idea about you, kind of that get that goes on, and people that don't really listen to the show um, about you know you couldn't like you couldn't get back into it again. And and me and you have talked, and I've gotten a chance to, to know you to know that. They're, I mean, coaches have called you and kind of floated it past you to see if you'd be interested in getting back into it. But we'll never talk about it because we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to ruin other people's. The reality you know, is, person. I don't give a shit. Yeah, people, people say, oh, oh yeah, you, you're not a coach because you couldn't be. I don't care. Okay, let's say I can never get another job again. I don't give a shit. I'm not trying to. Right? That's the reality of it. Um, if I really wanted to work my ass off, I probably could get back into in it. But I don't no, want to. You, so it's, it's, yeah, it's we know a you moot could. point. It's a moot point. I think it's funny, man. What he's trying to say is he likes seeing he likes seeing my uncut hair every single day, and we're having a blast here. So he does not want to get back into coaching. And honestly, like, like despite popular belief, Zach's a really great dad, and that's what it is. And, and I, 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 I could leave my kids. I could leave. I could leave your your ugly ass right now. Oh, but I'm not okay. <laughs> See, you could have just been nice there. I'm over here being a nice guy, <laughs> nice guy, and it's like, oh, oh, oh. See, uh, see, I'm not a great guy. I'm just an okay guy. <laughs> You're a decent I'm, guy. I'm an asshole. He's a C plus guy. I did want to mention though, Chris. Speaking of NIL deals, the best NIL deal yet to oh, date. Ever. Best one ever. ever. Let's go. <laughs> John Daly and his son, who's a golfer at Arkansas, Freshman. inked an NIL <laughs> deal with Hooters. Mm-hmm. It's just the most on brand thing I've ever heard. Perfect. John Daly and his kid are going to be repping Hooters. Like, sign me up. If my kid is a big time college athlete, Man, you better believe we're going to be sponsored by OnlyFans or sponsored by uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks or something. <laughs> That's Zach. Do you think head coaches worry about some of like, like, what if like Jackson Smith, Smith and Jigba gets like an Only, like an OnlyFans NIL deal? You like think Ryan Day worries about that? <laughs> Yeah, man, that'd be hilarious. But you know what? Like they the can't hub. care too much because oh, no, there's a. That- well, there's a bunch of barstool athletes, and barstool is 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 one of the you know top six sports books in the in the world. So yeah. they they don't seem to care because there's gambling a, a gambling company that is uh, literally has a sponsoring athletes in a yeah, gamble Michigan sport. State, right? The you know with with a mobster of a of a coach, <laughs> yeah, getting no. crazy. But Zach, I have nothing else for today. Went a little bit long today. Is the uh, you know getting my haircut fund ready? I think I might go. <laughs> We're gonna off. get it done. And you know what? We hey, if let's do this. If we get this week, if we end up going to Vegas, and if mm-hmm. we get let's say a hundred dollars in in super chats, if we go to Vegas, we'll let a stripper cut Chris's hair. Fade me up. <laughs> Fade him up. We will get a stripper to cut his hair. How about that? So appreciate everybody. Appreciate the super chats. We will be here all week at 1230. Menace at lunch. We appreciate everybody. Menace out.